Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Coming up on SportsCenter 8 and 24, both going all the way up to the Staples Center Raptors tonight. We're taking you out to L.A. and giving you some flavor from Kobe's big night. Still can't believe what we saw last night. Really? That's not a catch? And a freaking index card? Why the biggest league in America can't get the little things right? And while last year's leading rusher returns, hoping to help the Cowboys return to the playoffs, is this year's leading touchdown maker running away with MVP? What's good? Welcome to the sixth. Also ahead, we'll tell you whether number 12's comeback should be over after one start and one loss. Should the presently six-seeded Falcons eliminate the Packers tonight on Monday night? Football. But first up, soon to be the first player in NBA history to have two numbers retired by the same team. Kobe balled out both jerseys for 10 seasons each, scoring nearly the same number of points while wearing numbers 8 and 24. At halftime of tonight's game against the Warriors, Bryant will become the 10th player to have his jersey retired by the Lakers, joining, Wilt, joining Wilt's number 13, Elgin's number 22, Gail Gibbridge's 25, Magic's 32, Kareem's 33, Shaq 34, Worthy's 42, West 44, and Jamal Wilkes 52. Glad the Lakers were wise enough to retire both Kobe's numbers. Really, it was a no-brainer. The question of the day has been 8 or 24. For me, that's pretty obvious as well. 24. Kobe's five titles are tied for the most by a player in Lakers franchise history. Give me the Kobe that won two finals MVPs. Kobe was always a killer, but he became an icon and a legend in 24. Grew to become arguably the greatest Laker ever. That's still magic for me, but it's a debate. Wearing 24. But 8 was no joke. That's why there was no wrong answer and only right to retire both. To finally be a... Finally see Kobe's going up into the Raptors after playing against us for so long. It's going to be a really cool night. Good for the fans here in LA. Uh, perfect way to honor Kobe as a just a basketball, just genius, and a, a Laker for life. So it should be an amazing time. Kobe's pretty big in this town, so it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be electric in there. It's going to be uh, you know it it'll be a lot of fun. Hey, Ramona Shelburne, what type of scene are you expecting at Staples Center tonight? <laughs> I mean, do you see where I am right now in about an hour and a half? This is going to be Kobe land. They got a Ferris wheel. I mean, <laughs> this is going to be a scene here outside of Staples Center here tonight. And inside, obviously, it is one of the toughest tickets that I've seen in this town in quite some time. I've had like 10 people text me and be like, yo, can you get me a ticket? I'm like, you needed to ask like a month ago for this one. There's going to be so many celebrities here. Phil Jackson obviously not able to travel from Montana to this, but that's about the only guy that's not going to be here. Shaquille O'Neal, from what I hear, this is almost like his bar mitzvah too. Okay, he's going to be emceeing things. I heard he's going to DJ some private party oh, for him my. with Kendrick Lamar. And there's going to be a few surprises as well. Well, we're looking forward to it. You got me excited. And tell people stop asking you for the hookup. They ought to know better than that. <laughs> Go ahead and get your spot inside, Ramon. It's about to yep. get popping out there. And then you mentioned Phil Jackson not being able to make right. it. He tweeted his congratulations. And as usual, when it comes to Phil, excuse the typos. Y'all know what he meant. Uh, meanwhile, NFL spokesman Joe Lockhart confirmed today that despite Panthers owner Jerry Richardson putting the team up for sale after the 2017 season, the league's investigation into Richardson's reported workplace misconduct, and that's a probe which it took over from the Panthers over the weekend, it will continue. Meanwhile, the Panthers announced that Tina Becker has been named chief, op- chief operating officer with full control of the day-to-day management of the organization, making her one of the highest-ranking female executives for any NFL team. Now, as for how the team itself 
is managing these circumstances. Ron Rivera said he told them their focus should be on football. I know the allegations are serious. Um, I know that the, the league's going to do the investigation, um, and, and everybody should be heard and should be listened to and respected. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, who am I to judge? You know, I, we, we need to have all the answers before we can do any of that. It's sad to me, the whole thing. Um, we work to be better people, better individuals, better whatever you want to call it, and to see that happen, you know, it just saddened me as an individual. Um, I got a lot of respect for our owner. He gave me, he gave me opportunity to come here and further my career and um, do the things I need to do as a football player, and uh, I can only touch bases on a personal level from my standpoint of view. Josina Anderson is in Charlotte. Josina, how is this story uh, developing, this developing story playing among the Panthers players? Well, I thought what was interesting is that there's still a tone of loyalty and respect from people who spoke in the Panthers organization today while still trying to balance the seriousness and the sensitivity of the allegations. Like head coach Ron Rivera went out of his way to remind you that it was Richardson who was the one who gave him a head coaching job out of nine interview attempts for the position. thought it was also notable that Rivera said that he has not and has not read the allegations in the article and will not do so until the investigation is done. He's not dismissing the claims of other employees, but I thought it was interesting that he said he doesn't want his opinion of Richardson altered until everything is out. Now, as for player reaction, not too many players were in the locker room today, but when I asked cornerback Daryl Worley specifically his thought on the racial slur allegation while initially going the whole I'm just a football player route, he said that he prefers to keep his opinions in the sanctity of his home. And meanwhile, Ed Dixon says while he pays his respects to Richardson, the only time that he's heard any type of frustration about the culture here while being here with the Panthers is when players were speaking up about not feeling free to express themselves at the height of the Kaepernick protest based on what they were hearing from veteran players who were communicating with the coach, who were communicating with the owner, Michael. So make of that what you will. All right, Joe and we appreciate the latest report from Charlotte. Now, Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis will appeal his two-game suspension for his illegal hit on Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams on Sunday. Adams, who suffered his third concussion in two seasons, accused Davis Monday on Twitter of quote-unquote headhunting. And Davis replied that he'd made a mistake. And anybody that was watching the game could see how remorseful uh, Thomas Davis was on the sideline when he realized what he'd done. Now, the NFL uh, released a statement. This from John Runyon, former offensive tackler, now the NFL's vice president of football ops. He said, in part, during an interception return, you took a path toward your opponent who was pursuing the play and delivered a violent and unnecessary blindside block to his head and neck area. Runyon goes on to say, you have been previously fined for violations of safety-related rules. Your action yesterday warrants an escalation of discipline, not only because they were flagrant, but also because of your status as a repeat offender. But Ryan Clark, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas Davis isn't exactly, with all due respect, Vontez Burfick. I mean, he is not, where's the idea of progressive discipline to go immediately to two games? Was it two games with the intent of reducing it to one? No, it's dead wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. And I understand that you are trying to make the game safer and you have to make a point with some of these hits. But to me, when you legislate this the same way you do a key to lead and Michael Crabtree, I have an issue. When you legislate this, 
more than you do Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski, I have an issue. This after is a, the play. After the play. This is a football play. Right, during now, the play. Now, I understand that it's against the rules. It's to the head and neck area. It's back toward the end zone. You can't make this hit. Thomas Davis understands that. Mm-hmm. And some people apologize after the game and say, well, they were holding me all day. I don't get these calls for seven years. Yeah. And some people apologize like grown men do. Yeah. And even when a guy comes at him, tweets him his apology back. Still said Shows no remor- remorse yeah. on the sideline. He Should that get, have factored in? He didn't get – it shouldn't have got to that point anyway, Mike. You mean it, the, 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 it, sh- it shouldn't have got to two games anyway. Right. Whether he was remorseful or not shouldn't have factored into it. But when you look at the guy's career, right. I understand the repeat offender. And now you look at the way you have penalized and disciplined other players. There's for no much consistency. More There's no There's consistency, no consistency whatsoever. And that's my issue. The Rob Gronkowski is the glaring example. When you have that kind of a violent play. After the play is over with, and he gets one game, Thomas Davis gets two. Thomas Davis gets two, even as a quote unquote repeat offender. But I, I guess okay. one and, game. And, 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 start, and, start one before we jump to two. And, and, and I'm so sorry to go off topic here. Take, so, Mike, what's your So, what did the letter to Juju Smith Schuster say? Who wasn't a repeat offender? Right. Who wasn't finding this who way or warned game. in this way? Who got one game immediately for, for the first over. time he did it? Yeah. You know, and so for and, and so to to me. There's, and we've been saying this forever with the way that the NFL legislates these things. Like, you have to have some consistency. Yeah. I just think it's a, it's a black eye when this guy, who we know is a stand-up dude and a hard football player, gets penalized two games for something he did that was an actual football player. Also, in fairness, understand Devontae Adams' frustration, even if it wasn't intentional. Yeah, have Your no third concussion, yeah. Trevathan just knocked him out early in the season. Exactly. So, yeah, that's you know. why I said nothing about yeah. what he said isn't in a negative light. Thanks in large part to Gene Steratore resorting to using a daggone index card to help him decide whether Dallas picked up a key late first down and later Derek Carr fumbling out of the end zone on third down, trailing by three. The rule is bad. The decision-making there, worse, quite frankly. Running back Ezekiel Elliott returns to the 8-6 and six Cowboys with Dallas still having a shot of getting back into the playoffs. Elliott arrived at the Cowboys facility today at around 12-15 Central and his first stop, of course, to meet with Jerry Jones. But here's his head coach. He's been working out, and uh, he had a good workout uh, over the weekend. And uh, so uh, he'll get reacclimated with our team tomorrow uh, for the team run at 12 noon and then just get back into the schedule with, with the rest of the guys for the rest of the week. What was your general message to him? Get back to work. Ryan, how dangerous is Dallas with Zeke back? Oh, they're extremely dangerous, I think, and he's not the reason. Dak Prescott had to figure it out. If you remember the first week when we watched him against the Atlanta Falcons, I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, everybody was like, he's exposed. Yeah, I was like, Dak might be sorry. He's a fraud. <laughs> right, he can't He's play. a product of Zeke and offensive line. <laughs> right, yeah, but, remember, yeah. but he had to figure it out. If you watch this team, it largely moved because of Dak Prescott last night, whether it was him making plays with his legs in the pocket or outside the pocket. So now I think he has that confidence. As a team, you have that confidence yeah. in him. And now just adding Zeke adds to it. I like how Rob Marinelli's defense plays, man. They're not, they're not, they're not doomsday. Not a bunch of stars, right. but they're young, they're hungry, they're aggressive. They all run to the ball. Right. You know you're going to have them doing that. But they scared of him like a, like a grandpa. You know what I'm saying? He's <laughs> like this man you love me. Yeah. But um, I'm watching last night. You know when I started thinking to myself exactly what Jason Garrett often says, that the runner matters, with all due respect to the job Alfred Morris and Rod Smith have done, is on the goal line when they yeah. can score. 
and they kicked that 19-yard field goal, Absolutely. I'm like, Zeke would have got that. You no, know, and, 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 and those types of plays, maybe they could come down to an index card. Right. Maybe they don't sneak it, they give it to You're Zeke, right and they get that. So those are the types of plays Other that make a difference. Other teams know that, too. But I wonder, is it too little too late? They're, they're, uh, at, they're, they got Seattle at home, who's struggling right mm-hmm. now. And then they're at Philly. We'll see what Philly has to play for. Right. They not only have to win out, but they need some help to do it. I, I, I think that's the, the issue. You look at the top five, uh, including the Carolina Panthers in that wild card spot. Those teams look very solid headed into the playoffs. So they may not come down to them. The Atlanta Falcons are really what they had to hope on. Who have the tiebreaker right. against the and Dallas in Cowboys? Tampa tonight. Exactly. So they need a lot of help. You know you want to pick the Bucks to win, don't you? I absolutely do not. I absolutely <laughs> do not. You don't? Okay. I, I absolutely never miss the opportunity to <laughs> see the Falcons. <laughs> no, I, hey, man, listen. I love the Falcons. Man, I love what they do as a team. I don't shade the Falcons. I tell the truth. Oh, okay. And if that has right. to be shaded, <laughs> so then be I'm it. sorry. However you want to qualify. <laughs> you mentioned those top five. So the Cowboys trying to take the Falcons for six in the NFC. Ryan, what do all five teams ahead of Atlanta have in common? I don't know. According to Elias, there have only been two instances in which five playoff teams in a single conference missed the postseason the previous year. Hadn't happened since 08. All five of those teams oh. did not make the playoffs last year. We could see that happen again. What a nose up there before when he asked you that question. Did, you, did they already have the nose on the board? No, it did not. Oh, it was a reveal. Because I was about to get upset that, that I didn't cheat. Deal. Exactly. <laughs> now, with that in mind, a Falcons win tonight in Tampa would eliminate the 7-7 Packers, who haven't missed the playoffs since 2008. That was Rodgers' first year as a starter. Rodgers returned Sunday after missing seven games and threw three picks for the first time since 2009. Packers coach Mike McCarthy was non-committal about playing Rodgers against Minnesota on Saturday night or in Week 17 against Detroit if the playoffs are out of reach. Rodgers has not missed a regular season finale, let alone the final two regular season games since 2011. And you'll recall that that year, the Packers were 14-1 and and had already wrapped up the number one seed in the NFC going into the regular season finale. So, should the Packers, if in fact they're eliminated tonight, you know what I'm asking you, they should sit Aaron Rodgers? No, no. You're allowed, okay. Play him. I was about to say, can we keep doing the mind thing? I know, I know, right? <laughs> play him? I, I think you play him. Um, I think you play him, and, and it's not going to matter that he gets in the rhythm, but you play him to let him feel some good, to, to not throw those three interceptions, for the team to get a feel of what it's like having Aaron Rodgers. And I know, they don't know, that I know he's different. I know he's a player that you can't get hurt, and the Minnesota Vikings will be coming after him. We saw what Julius Peppers, K1 Short, and those guys yeah. were able to do. I want to see Aaron Rodgers play. Aaron Rodgers is a player. Aaron Rodgers is a healthy player. Let and me throw this at is, you. Throw it at me. I'm gonna catch. Is this is this is this the is this the player in you talking? Is this the safety in you talking that Absolutely. played through pain? Absolutely. That's like, wait a second, no. y'all baby quarterbacks enough? No question. You mean to tell me Rodgers can't play the rest of the way? But we gotta play the rest of the way. One, I am 100. percent But I'm also a player who understands that players are different, mm-hmm. right? That 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 they say we all of us are created in God's likeness and image, but some of us special when it comes to this grass. And Aaron Rodgers is one of them that's special when it comes to the grass. So I understand that. I I just think for for the team, for for Aaron, he needs to be out there. And I'm not saying play him and let him play every snap of the last two games. But let him get out there. Let him get some plays. Let him get some throws. And I think that goes a long way as to trying to build something for next year as well. It just makes you appreciate what they've been able to do because, yes, he only, quote-unquote, has one Super Bowl. But everybody can't be New England and Tom Brady and make the playoffs every year. For them to have made the playoffs every year and them not even be faced with a position of Aaron Rodgers playing out the string Mm -hmm. certainly says a lot about the consistency that this organization, many want to criticize that they've had. So I'm with you though. I I was just I didn't even play, and it's a bad look for me. 
It'd be a yeah. bad look if you say he's clear enough to put him out there, healthy enough to put him out there. But we're not. But if, if, we're, if we're in it, but since we're eliminated, oh, now we got to protect him. I agree. Like, I don't think you can play it that way, even with once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation Aaron Rodgers. No, I agree. Something Absolutely. happens, God forbid, then you go ahead and uh, rehab in the offseason. One more time in case you missed it, which who missed it? It was the highest rated game in a long time. The stakes about as high as they come. A win for the Steelers. They get the first round bye. These are the two best teams in the AFC going at it. Throws it down the field. Into the end zone. Oh, it's broken up in oh. the end zone. There's a man down, and that's Antonio Brown holding oh. his left leg. He's going off, and he can't put any weight at all on that. You lose somebody like A.B., there's an adjustment. Brown was in the medical tent on the near side. He is out for the time being. Hand off to Deion. Runs it to the left Good. side. In the end zone. Touchdown. Lewis has given New England the lead with 56 seconds remaining. But still time now for Ben Roethlisberger. Throws underneath. Caught by Smith-Schuster. Breaks another tackle. And he's all the way down to the 11-yard line. The rookie comes up clutch. Roethlisberger pumps, throws over the middle. It is caught by Jesse James. Did he complete, complete the, the process? process? Yes. The ball moved laterally. It's an incomplete pass. It'll be Pittsburgh's ball. They trail by three. 28 seconds left. Fake the spike. He's going to fire it over the middle. And it is picked off. Deron Horvath with the game ceiling interception for New England. I'm going to my spike. I've seen him do that to an AB before. And the defense is ready for it. Man, we needed that. That was a big win. All right, so Antonio Brown, he tweeted, hey, this is a minor setback for me, but not this team. The goal is still the same, and I'm confident we can and will achieve it. We may not have won the game yesterday, but this team made a statement. Not sure what that statement is. What you mean what that statement is? What's the statement? We can't beat the Patriots? They better than them dudes, man. They have a better day. Did you, have did you just assign team. a moral victory to this? They have a better. No, That's basically it's, what you're saying. It's not a moral victory okay, at be all. better. That man say statement, he didn't say victory. Oh, okay. Well, you said it was a statement. I'm telling you, I don't know what it's saying. A lot of people today have been saying that they're sick of this, what's a catch, what's not a catch thing. That was obviously a catch. The process, to anybody with common sense, Ryan, had been completed. And after he completed it, he tried to stretch it over the end zone. By the letter of the law, it's not a catch. Right. We all agree. Gotcha. Common sense is a catch. The rule book, not a catch. So this is what so this is what you're doing. We're going to assign common sense to you know, the league with no common sense. I know that's too subjective. I understand why they can't, why they have to right. enforce it that way. Right. Too many fumbles left and right. I get it. But I just want to move on to the next play, which to me is the bigger deal for the Steelers than the overturned touchdown. What play is that, Mike? That would be the play that Ben Roethlisberger claims came from Todd Haley. And I'm sorry, you're a big man. You ain't got to do what everybody tell you to do. Why are you throwing that football? Why are you forcing that ball into Eli Rogers? Why are you acting like, of all teams, you're going to catch the Patriots sleeping <laughs> in situational football? Hey, you know we what? play to win. No, you played yourself. You know what was the, the, the funny part to me? That Deion Lewis says, we all knew they run that. They do, we've seen them do that play to A.B. So not only did the defense know and the coaching staff knew, the running back also knew that that's something the Pittsburgh Steelers do. I, I don't mind taking a shot when you have Ben Roethlisberger and you feel like you can take a shot, especially after the emotional ups and down of feeling like you had won the game. Uh-huh. But when he can't clear that first window, when you can't make that throw right you know away, what I'm saying? It's, a t- it's a chance to Air throw it away. That, man. The reason Big Ben gets to run that play is because you expect him to make the right decision. 
And at that time, he they didn't, didn't call make, it and say throw a pitch. Yeah, at that time, he <laughs> right. didn't make the right, right decision. And right. you know, everybody's going to be on on Coach Tomlin for this because obviously, if you listen to the chatter, this was the great X's and O's coach against the great motivator. Yeah, that's not fair. And so they're going to be on Coach Tomlin's case because of this. But you let Ben make that. You make that play. You let Ben get that opportunity because no. you expect Ben to make no, the right No, actually, choice. you spike it and kick the field goal, which is me and my nine-year-old were yelling at the screen. You spike it and kick the field goal. Why do you spike it, though? Because you that's what you You have a shot. You have Ben Roethlisberger. Everybody knows the Dan Marino play at this point. Most of all the Patriots. It's, it's not there. Spike it, kick the field goal. We'll talk to you in a second. And then you could blame the officiating. Antonio Brown's MVP candidacy took a hit with that hit. Not going to get to 2,000 like he had a chance of doing before. Meanwhile, Tom Brady's now got 52 career game-winning drives. Second most since the merger. I like what Romo's like. Is that a real stat? Uh, speaking of stats, Ty Gurley, 150-plus, four touchdowns, leads the league overall with 17. Russell Wilson was doing everything for Seattle. Then he met my doppelganger, Aaron Donald. And so his MVP candidate <laughs> took a hit as well. Drew Brees, yeah, he relies on the run game, but still leading the league in completion percentage. And then there's the former MVP, Cam Newton, who was clowning against Green Bay. So right now, with two games left, who's the leader in your MVP clubhouse, Ryan? Tom Brady. You, that pains you to say it? it, it you know, it, it doesn't pain me to say it, and it wouldn't have pained me to say it two weeks ago when he was playing off the charts well, before you saw what happened against Miami, before you really saw what happened against Pittsburgh until Gronkowski was able to have that last drive against Sean Davis primarily. He should get MVP votes. No. Definitely talking about if wide you, receivers? No, yeah, yeah. If, you, if, you, if, you watch, if you watch Monday night's game yeah. and then you watch Sunday evening's game, Gronkowski is the most valuable player on the New England Patriots Look at team. the two games he missed this year. Absolutely. I don't know if he's the most valuable player on the team. I, I'm still saying that's Brady. But what a difference he makes when you look at how they struggled but, against Tampa and then against okay, Miami but, okay, when he got but, suspended. But, 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 but tell me this. Yeah. Who is Brady when he doesn't play this year, though? Not good. I, you know, no, I, not good. I, I understand no. yeah. that, that Tom Brady simple. keeps it going, but if, if – and he's not on the team anymore. If Jimmy Garoppolo is quarterback in this team, I believe Gronkowski still does the things that he is doing. Yeah, Garoppolo bad boy, yeah, by the way. When, yeah. when, <laughs> when, when, when Gronkowski is out, Tom Brady is not the same guy yeah. that we're used to seeing. Right. But you, go, you have to go Tom Brady, and then now Todd Gurley moves into that place, mostly because of injury. Carson Wentz would have been over Todd Gurley coming into this point, and many feel like he still may have done enough. I got Gurley second right now. By, by the way, Sean McVay is locked up coach of the year. Oh, I mean, I, but I, for me, I would go Brady, Gurley, still Russell Wilson, all that he does for that team, and, and their flaws got manifested. You know, and, and then Breeze. You know who I put on the ballot out of respect? Case Keenum. I understand that. Here's the other thing, though. When you put Gurley on it, mm-hmm. right, you have to start looking at Le'Veon Bell. Even though Antonio Brown is on his team yeah. and overshadows him, yeah. if you're going to put yeah. Gurley into this conversation, Le'Veon Bell has to be a part of it because when you look at those two seasons and what they both have accomplished is very close. Well, and then with the, when the way they finish the season without A.B., maybe Bell makes that move you're Absolutely. talking about right now. Uh, I know you're the biggest Kobe fan, so I wanted you to stick around for, for this part. Back to Kobe. In case you hadn't heard, both 8 and 24 going up to the Raptors. Why you wear your jersey, Ryan? Man, because I, I, I had this cool blue suit on, and <laughs> I ain't want nice to put it over that. But According I to basketball both. reference, if you broke Kobe up into two players, one that wore 8 for 10 years and one that wore 24 for 10 years, both players would be locks for the Hall of Fame. Why 98, 99.8, 99.9? Like, under what circumstances would they not be in the Hall of Fame? One player, two numbers, 20 seasons. 
Now, on the stat sheet, the player that wore number eight, number 24 for the Los Angeles Lakers, he was almost identical when it came to points and assists. Number eight had three titles, number 24, two titles at that MVP. Both numbers may have been worn by the same future Hall of Famer, but the Kobe that wore eight couldn't have been more different from the Kobe that wore 24. If you take his career and you divide it up basically in the numbers that he wore, he had two Hall of Fame careers. So it's only right that you need to retire both numbers. Both tried to rip your heart out. Both of them was vicious in their own ways. Kobe Bryant elevating. What did I just see? Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. Just an epic performance by Kobe Bryant. The Black Mamba strikes again. Kobe Bryant came into the NBA as a 17-year-old kid, but former Lakers general manager Jerry West said he knew from the moment he saw him work out that Kobe was special. And for the next 10 years, West watched proudly as the kid wearing number eight grew into a champion. Number eight was just, he was a lot more explosive and athletic. Man, when he went to the basket, he was trying to dunk on you. He was trying to embarrass you. Hammers it down. Number eight, 2000 finals. I had a chance to get my first ring, but no. Some guy named Kobe Bryant comes and snatches all of the glory. Shaquille O'Neal is fouled out. You didn't think they would do it without Shaq out there. And he just made shot after shot and really pretty much willed them to the win. Kobe Bryant lives for this moment where he can actually do his thing, not have to concede for the big fella underneath. And it was just like, man, that, that kid right there, he's, he's the closest thing I've ever seen to Jordan. In overtime, Kobe pulls up, <laughs> hits again. How good is this kid? He completely took over this game. I was like, damn, that's what I'm talking about. And the Lakers survive in game four. Kobe Bryant, who bailed out Shaq and the Lakers in overtime. That was that, he's that dude moment right there for me. Kobe and Shaq won three titles together, and it's hard not to wonder how many more they could have won with each other. But the Lakers felt like they had to choose between them after the 2004 season. And owner Dr. Jerry Buss picked Kobe. Two years later, Kobe made another change. The Lakers have notified the league Bryant will wear 24 next year. Great players do that all the time. They want to re-challenge themselves. And I think for him, it was just changing numbers and just trying to wash away everything that he did with number eight and see if he can duplicate it with number 24. There were different situations, different teammates. His role was different, and he continued to reinvent himself. That's what all-time greats tend to find a way to do. Bryant on the pull-up. Punch it in. Number 24 wasn't as fast. Didn't jump as high, but he was a lot smarter. It was like he found ways to reinvent himself as he got older. He's got that look. He's got that game. 24 was more of a thinker. A guy that played chess while other people were playing the checkers out there. I just saw a much more mellow Kobe. It was the first time I've really seen him smile on the basketball court as much as he did. And I think he enjoyed that. I once asked Kobe which number he preferred the Lakers to retire, 8 or 24. He paused for a minute and smiled and said, whichever number they choose, it would be hard for someone else to wear the other one. Kobe doing it the way Kobe does it. I wouldn't put it past Kobe Bryant that he was thinking, you know, I'm going to play 10 more years, I'm going to play number 24, I'm going to have pretty much identical numbers that I had number 8, and they're going to probably have to retire both jerseys. That's the type of guy he is. 
Rachel Nichols, you and I go back to Wimbledon 2002 uh, when you were Rachel Alexander for the Washington Post. So I got to admit something to you. I'm a little jealous. Here's what I'm jealous about. You know, I was an NFL guy. Yeah. I never got to cover Kobe. You did. Dude, come on. Up close and personal. Up close and personal. What's your favorite Kobe memory from covering him through all these years and now seeing these two numbers go up to the Raptors? Well, mine personally is just because I, you know, knew Kobe before he was Kobe, obviously. I mean, he came into the league with such fanfare, but I met him in that rookie year. And, um, you know, over the first couple years, he was with the Lakers. He wasn't that popular on that team, Michael. (laughs) He was younger. He had a lot of attention around him. A lot of the veterans on that team didn't love his attitude and they didn't love that he was there with them. Um, I was in my early 20s. I had a lot of people, as I was a young female sports writer, not so excited that I was around in certain circumstances. So um, I remember very clearly one day, um, I had been covered him on a couple things, but this was the first time we actually sat and talked at his locker after sort of the thundering horde had moved on during media availability. And I asked him a question, and he just looked at me. He's like, how did you know I felt like that? And I just sort of said, well, I mean, I just figured you would. Um, and we just sort of went from there and had a long talk about how he had to go up and play video games in his room while his older teammates went out on the road together because he was very clearly not of age to go out and they didn't really want him with them. So um, just sort of seeing that that's where he started and then what he grew out to be in the league was fascinating for me and then everything that's happened since. His his iconic status among today's generation is interesting because, you know, like Iverson has a certain way that he's revered among this generation of players. We know Jordan's standing. Like, what's Kobe's influence that's still felt throughout the league among today's players? How would you describe that? tremendous. I think most NBA fans would be surprised just how high the percentages of their favorite players who idolize Kobe Bryant, maybe more so even than Michael Jordan, of today's current NBA players, just because of the age difference. Um, I was sitting down and talking with Isaiah Thomas recently, and he was telling me that when after he got hurt, he watched Kobe Bryant tape after Kobe got hurt with his Achilles injury. So many guys you hear that from over and over again. I just want to be like Kobe. Well, it, it was it's Kobe's day. It's Kobe's night out in L.A., Uh, But it's still LeBron's league right now. So we're talking about three straight triple doubles, five straight games with double-digit assists. Still killing it after all these years. He talked about wanting to break the mold. I thought he did that years ago. If there's ever a mold for LeBron James, the rules of nature simply do not apply to this man in his 15th season. Rachel, let's let's stay with the kind of the Kobe conversation because that was always a bit of a a forced rivalry. Not really rivals. They didn't meet uh, in the finals like we always wanted them to over the years. But Kobe has always been revered and recognized as an assassin, as a killer. He's a mm-hmm. terminator. LeBron, why doesn't he get that same level of respect? Is it, be- is it because of his unselfishness? Why don't people look at a man who night in and night out is dominating the league as if he still has something to prove as a killer the same way we do Kobe Bryant? Just the last shot thing? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think LeBron gets plenty of respect, and I think when it's all said and done, a lot of people are going to rank him quite a few places ahead of Kobe Bryant in the all-time players list. I think since you're bridging these two guys together, I can only say that I personally am thrilled that Nike brought the Nike Puppets commercial back today with Kobe and LeBron, because that might be the best ad campaign ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting you say it was forced. They brought that campaign out. Yeah, I mean, come on, look at those puppets. Those puppets <laughs> are life. I am sorry. Um, but they brought that campaign 
campaign out because that was the year, you remember, that we thought that Kobe and LeBron were going to meet in the finals. And it was a big surprise when Orlando got there instead. So I think people look at them differently. LeBron really likes to be liked. He likes to build things. Kobe likes to be the guy and he wants to destroy things. And that's a very different attitude. Um, They don't have to be the same. You can like both of them a lot and still appreciate that they both have a pretty pretty big contributions to the NBA game. Yeah, and they still want to win just the same. It just feels like the narrative. Right. It just just feels like the conversation is always about. And and this is not a Kobe versus LeBron. They have more shit, more in common than difference. It's like a great pass could be just as good as a great shot. You are always great company, Rachel Nichols. Thank you so much. So as you all might imagine, it's been a difficult day for us here at ESPN. It's John Skipper, the president of our company and the co-chairman of Disney Media Networks. He resigned this morning. John joined ESPN in 1997 as senior vice president and general manager of ESPN, the magazine. And he was appointed company president on January 1st, 2012. Uh, John said in part, quote, I have struggled for many years with a substance addiction. I have decided that the most important thing I can do right now is to take care of my problem. He went on to say, I come to this public disclosure with embarrassment, trepidation, and a feeling of having let others I care about down. To my colleagues at ESPN, it has been a privilege. I take great pride in your accomplishments and have complete confidence in your collective ability to continue ESPN's success. If I may, um, I respectfully like to take exception to John's uh, coming to this public disclosure with embarrassment, trepidation, and a feeling of having otherwise uh, let others I care about down. John, you're not letting us down. You're speaking and standing up for what's best for you and your family. So I'd like to take this moment to express, first of all, my appreciation for all you've done for me, my career, and my family. Thank you for trusting Jamel and me with this platform. Now, you need to go take care of yourself and get well. You have our support, our continued admiration, respect, and our commitment, as you ask, to make you proud by maintaining the standard of excellence that you've helped establish. Man, I was almost in this countdown. People, I was saying they had more shared that I was saying in common. Come on now. I got two strikes, baby. Uh, the Jaguars, 45-7 to behind a three-touchdown performance from Blake Bortles. Afterwards, Jadevian Clowney, despite the fact that his quarterback is TJ Yates, not impressed. That's embarrassing. None of my want to get beat by now. I don't even know what the score was. I know it's crazy, but none of my want to get beat like that. It's embarrassing to the whole organization, everybody on the team. Is Bortles improving? Trash. In the mortal words of Black Thought, we're losing a grip of what garbage means. First of all, he's not trash. At least not this year against Houston in particular. They've, all, they've beaten Houston 74 to 14 this year with Bortles throwing for 451, four touchdowns, and no turnovers. And you can't say somebody's trash. Yeah, your real quarterback's on IR, but not when you got TJ Yates after you just got cooked by said trash who's down all those wide receivers. Stop calling people trash. That's hard, harsh. But Seahawks defense was trash yesterday. I mean, Ty Gurley. Running through him left and right, 150 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, one receiving. Earl Thomas kept it 100 about his teammate Bobby Wagner, who played hurt. My personal opinion, I think all they should have played. You know, the backups would have did. You know, just as just as good. But uh, you know, the injuries. You know, Cam, Sherm, KJ, it definitely it definitely hurt today. Normally, see Wags. You know, attack running from side sideline to sideline, and uh, he he just couldn't couldn't do it today. But I think he just waited a little bit too long to take himself off. And he waited a little too long to delete this here tweet. <laughs> Bobby Wagner said, E, keep my name out your mouth. Stop being jealous of other people's success. I still hope you keep balling, bro. A couple of things. This is how the Seahawks get down. They snipe. That's how they live. That's how they operate. 
But the stop being jealous of people's success part is a little troubling. That This was like something that he was waiting to fire off at ET. Ultimately, you're looking at a team that's just struggling to keep it together. Uh, lastly, an NFL spokesman said that referee Gene Steratore's decision to use an index card was very unusual. You think? But did not violate league rules. Oakland A's, hey, bring some levity to the situation. Tweeting about the index card measurement. Uh, it might not have been against league rules. And who knows? Maybe they spotted it wrong to begin with. It's such an inexact thing. Spotting the football after a, after uh, Dak Prescott was in a pile. And this really lost in the game. Derek Carr, I feel for you trying to do too much. But you got to know that that's the worst rule in sports. And you will be penalized if you lose the ball out of bounds. That said, an index card. Several sets of fans showed up and showed out and showed their love and admiration. A lot of class for some of their stars, starting with Melo, Saturday at MSG. And at forward at 6 eight from Syracuse, number 7, Carmelo Anthony! I expected absolutely nothing less from the Knicks faithful. And I expected nothing. I expected nothing less from the internet once this image was captured. Lala probably wasn't even looking at him. It's just <laughs> I don't even want to capture it. I'm sure they're fine. Teddy Bridgewater is walking onto the field. It was great. Um, it was even better seeing Case uh, leading the chant. Uh, Case is an awesome guy, and. Um, you know, to see him standing behind me, uh, it was just amazing. But not like Vikings fans need an excuse to get loud, but that gave me goosebumps. So did watching Ryan Shazier wave the terrible towel. Heinz Field went crazy when they showed him on the big screen. That game had everything, and that was probably the, the best moment to see him in good spirits. But they tried to steal his joy once they stole that touchdown from Jesse James. It's like, come on, man. it is, it is some old bull. It, it totally is. Y'all ain't gonna get me twice. It is some old BS. Okay, that was a catch. The process was completed enough for Jesse James to stretch it across, but them the rules. Still shouldn't have tried to the fake spike thing. And Zach Miller, the Bears tight end, posted video of him walking without crutches for the first time since that gruesome leg injury against the Saints on October 29th. That injury nearly resulted in his leg being amputated. So forget football. It's just great to see him moving around, up and about. Hopefully he can come back. But that was a great image uh, from the weekend as well. This might be the best thing ever caught by a microphone in pro football history. So Cam Newton, four touchdowns, and that went over the Packers. Panthers are rolling. And you know it's going great when you're acting like you're on the playground with Clay Matthews. That's when you know you're feeling yourself. I told Black Thought the other day, I want to know what it's like to do something that well. Same for Cam. I want to know what it's like to be in a zone like that. Diddy wants to own said Carolina Panthers with the whole Jerry Richardson situation. Steph's like, I want in. So is Colin Kaepernick. Well, hell, I ain't got no money for it, but I'll work for free. Let me be your vice president of football operations. Anyway, before I sign off, it's never too late to give a shout out. This came out Friday, but just saw it today. Rangers pitcher Cole Hamels and his wife Heidi donated their 32,000 square foot home in Missouri to Camp Barnabas, a nonprofit 
organization that helps those with special needs. The home is valued at $9 million and sits on 100 acres of land. All right, that's it for me. College Hoops is next right here on ESPN, Kansas host over Omaha. I'll see y'all tomorrow on E1 with a special guest for the next few days.